Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of cutaneous and subcutaneous mycoses from the microbiology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A veterinarian presents to his primary care physician for a growing pustule on his right forearm. He reports that he often embarks on hikes through fields and forests, bringing back injured animals to treat. He denies any known animal bites or scratches, but recalls being pricked by a thorn while hiking. He denies any fevers, chills, nausea, vomiting, conjunctivitis, or sore throat. On physical exam, there is a 0.5 centimeter pustule with surrounding erythema and multiple scattered nodules along his right forearm. He is prescribed an oral agent for this disease. This is a case of sporotrichosis. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with an introduction about this topic. In terms of an introduction, cutaneous mycoses include tinea or dermatophytes and tinea versicolor or pityriasis. Tinea or dermatophytes include tinea capitis, tinea corporis, tinea curis, tinea pedis, and tinea unguium. And the main subcutaneous mycosis is sporothrixchenki. Let's get into tinea or dermatophytes in more detail. In terms of an introduction, these organisms are dermatophytes. They are microsporum species, trichophyton species, and epidermophyton species. In terms of the demographics, this is the most common fungal infection in the pediatric population. It is common in children. In terms of transmission, transmission is via direct contact. In terms of clinical presentation, it mainly presents with puritis. Let's now talk about tinea or dermatophytes in more detail. We'll go over their location, their clinical characteristics, their risk factors, and their respective treatment modality. The first is tinea capitis. The location of tinea capitis is on the head and scalp. Its clinical characteristics are lymphadenopathy and itchy and scaly plaques with associated alopecia. In terms of risk factors for tinea capitis, the main risk factors are African-American or Caribbean descent. The treatment for tinea capitis is oral antifungals. Topicals will not penetrate the hair follicles. The next type of tinea or dermatophyte is tinea corporis or ringworm. In terms of the location, this affects the torso. In terms of clinical characteristics, this causes erythematous annular lesions with central clearing and scaly border. The risk factor for this is contact with infected pet. The treatment for this is topical antifungals. The next type of tinea or dermatophyte is tinea curis, also known as jock itch. In terms of the location, this affects the inguinal region. In terms of clinical characteristics, this causes well-demarcated erythematous scaly rash, often symmetric without central clearing. In terms of risk factors, risk factors include adolescent and adult males and physical activities that cause sweating. And in terms of the treatment, you would use topical antifungals. The next type of tinea or dermatophyte is tinea pedis or athlete's foot. In terms of the location, this affects the feet. In terms of clinical characteristics, 
This causes interdigital feet infection. It also causes plantar erythema in a moccasin distribution, and it also may present with vesicles, bullae, or pustules. The risk factors for tinea pedis is occlusive footwear and warm and moist environment. And in terms of treatment, you would again use topical antifungals. And finally, the last type of tinea or dermatophyte that we'll discuss today is tinea unguium. This is also known as onychomycosis. This most commonly occurs in the nails. In terms of clinical characteristics, you would notice nail thickening nail discoloration, but no pain or itching. With respect to risk factors, risk factors are occlusive footwear, warm and moist environment, immunosuppression, and communal bathing. With respect to the treatment of tinea unguium, the main treatment modalities are topical antifungals and oral antifungals. Oral antifungals are indicated if there are more than three to four nails that are involved or if there is involvement of the lunula. In terms of diagnostic studies of tinea or dermatophytes, the main study involves the use of potassium hydroxide or KOH prep with blue fungal stain of the scale. On this prep, you would notice branching septate hyphae. In terms of treatment, the management approach involves the use of topical antifungals that are often applied without topical steroids. If used with steroids, this may lead to tinea incognito. This is persistent tinea infection without clinical symptoms due to steroid use. This may be confused with psoriasis or eczema. Oral antifungals include griseofulvin, itraconazole or fluconazole, and terbinafine. Topical antifungals include terbinafine cream, ketoconazole cream, and clotrimazole cream. The main complication of this condition is bacterial superinfection. The next type of infection we'll talk about is tinea versicolor. Let's start with an introduction about tinea versicolor. The organism is of the Malassezia species, also known as the Pterosporum species. It is yeast-like fungi. In terms of the pathogenesis, the infection can damage melanocytes, resulting in hypopigmentation, hyperpigmentation, and pink patches. Risk factors include summer, humid weather, sweating, using body oils, and immunosuppression. In terms of the clinical presentation, it can be puritic, but not as puritic as dermatophytic infections. It would present with macules or plaques with irregular borders and overlying fine scale. Note that the back, chest, neck, and face are commonly affected. It often presents as areas of hypopigmentation. Note that there is inability to tan these areas. In terms of diagnostic studies, a KOH prep would show budding cells with multi-branching hyphae. You would notice a, quote, spaghetti and meatballs appearance. And on wood lamp, the affected areas will fluoresce. The treatment involves topical selenium sulfide, topical antifungals that are first line, including ketoconazole, and oral antifungals that are second line, including itraconazole and fluconazole. Let's now talk about sporotrichosis in more detail. Let's start with an introduction about sporotrichosis. In terms of the organism, this condition is caused by sporothrichschenke. It is a dimorphic and cigar-shaped budding yeast with branching hyphae and rosettes of conidia. 
in terms of the demographics, the main populations involved are children and young adults. In terms of the transmission, it is via direct contact, for example, break in the skin, often with thorns or splinters, and via animal bites or scratches. Risk factors include close contact with vegetation, including gardening, classically via traumatic introduction with a plant's thorn, for example, roses, hunting in the wild, and immunosuppression. In terms of the clinical presentation, this would present with a pustule, abscess, or ulcer at the site of inoculation. You might also notice nodules along the draining lymphatics, which are called nodular lymphangitis. Note that it can be disseminated to the rest of the body. In terms of diagnostic studies, you would need a fungal culture in saburo agar. Periodic acid shift or methanamine silver stain might also be necessary, and it would show oval or cigar-shaped budding yeast cells. It would also show septate hyphae with clusters of characteristic conidia formation. These are also known as, quote, daisy flowers. In terms of a differential diagnosis, the main differential to consider here would be tularemia. Tularemia is similar to sporotrichosis. Tularemia may present with an ulcerated lesion. Unlike sporotrichosis, tularemia may also have a widespread maculopapular rash, painful conjunctivitis, pharyngitis, and gastrointestinal symptoms. In terms of treatment, the main treatment is itraconazole as first line, potassium iodide as adjuvant therapy to itraconazole, and amphotericin for disseminated disease. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 27-year-old female presents to her primary care physician because she is concerned about lighter colored patches on her skin. She recently went sunbathing and noticed that these areas did not tan. Her doctor explains that she has a fungal infection of the skin that damages melanocytes by producing acids. She is prescribed selenium sulfide and told to follow up in one month. Which of the following describes the appearance of the most likely infectious organism under microscopy? 1. Branching septate hyphae 2. Broad-based budding yeast 3. Captain's wheel yeast 4. Germ tube forming fungus, or 5. Quote, spaghetti and meatballs fungus. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 5. Quote, spaghetti and meatballs fungus. This presentation is most consistent with a diagnosis of tinea versicolor, which is caused by Malassezia species. These species have a characteristic, quote, spaghetti and meatballs formation when seen under microscopy. Remember, hypopigmentation can be due to albinism, vitiligo, or infectious causes. In this case, the infectious etiology of these skin changes is revealed in the question stem. The differential of fungal skin infections include candida, malassezia, dermatophytes, and blastomycosis. Of these, the only one that produces acids and damages melanocytes is malassezia. The patches with damaged melanocytes therefore become hypopigmented and do not tan in the summer. This infectious syndrome is known as tinea versicolor. 
The treatment for this disorder includes selenium sulfide followed by oral or topical antifungals for refractory cases. The classic finding under microscope is presence of yeast and hyphae in a, quote, spaghetti and meatballs pattern. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice one, branching septate hyphae are characteristic of dermatophytes that cause tinea infections throughout the body. These present as erythematous scaling rings and have various names, such as ringworm or athlete's foot, depending on the affected location. Answer choice two, broad-based budding yeast is the classic microscope finding of blastomycosis. Though blastomycosis can affect the skin, this syndrome first presents as an inflammatory lung disease that subsequently disseminates to bone and skin. These systemic findings are absent in this case. Answer choice three, the quote captain's wheel description is used to describe the appearance of paracoccidioides, an endemic mycosis found in Latin America. The skin findings associated with this disease are volacious lesions on the face. And finally, answer choice four, the formation of germ tubes is a characteristic distinguishing factor for candida albicans. This fungus can cause white infectious skin colonies that are easily removed. Candida does not destroy melanocytes. In summary, malassezia causes tinea versicolor, characterized by hypopigmented lesions due to destruction of melanocytes. Organisms appear in a, quote, spaghetti and meatballs formation under microscopy. Treatment includes selenium sulfide and antifungals in refractory cases. Next question. A 39-year-old male presents to your office with nodular skin lesions that progress from his right hand to right shoulder. The patient reports that the initial lesion, currently necrotic and ulcerative, developed from an injury he received while weeding his shrubs a couple weeks earlier. The patient denies symptoms of respiratory or meningeal disease. Which of the following most likely characterizes the pattern of this patient's skin lesions? 1. Contact dermatitis. 2. Hematogenous dissemination. 3. Dermatophyte colonization. 4. Ascending lymphangitis or five, anthropod bite. And the correct answer choice is answer choice four, ascending lymphangitis. The patient's history is suggestive of sporotrichosis or Rose Gardner's disease. Skin lesions spread upward along lymphatic tracts in a process called ascending lymphangitis. Remember, sporotrichosis is caused by a cutaneous fungal infection by sporothrix schenke. Sporothrix schenke is a dimorphic, cigar-shaped budding yeast commonly found on plants and in the soil. The fungus produces local ulcerating nodules when traumatically introduced into the skin, often by thorn prick. Nodules then spread upward along lymphatic tracts in a process called ascending lymphangitis. Treatment includes potassium iodide or itraconazole. Let's now review two citations related to this topic. In the first citation, Tobin et al. review the diagnosis and treatment of sporotrichoid lymphocutaneous infections. They report sporotrichoid lymphocutaneous infection is an uncommon syndrome that is often misdiagnosed and improperly treated. They emphasize that by recognizing the distinct pattern of nodular lymphangitis and focusing on the diverse but limited etiologies, the physician can obtain the appropriate histologic and microbiologic studies and start targeted antimicrobial therapy. Therapy is generally continued for two or three months after the resolution of cutaneous disease. 
In the second citation, Bonifaz et al. report that the clinical manifestations of sporotrichosis are widely variable with important involvement of the skin and the superficial lymphatic system, but also with affection of the mucosa and some organs like lungs, bones, and joints. They recommend potassium iodide or KI as first-line treatment. Other alternatives include itraconazole, terbinafine, thermotherapy, and in severe cases, amphotericin B. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, contact dermatitis is a type 4 hypersensitivity reaction to allergens and irritants that often manifests as a pruritic vesicular localized rash in affected areas. Answer choice 2, coccidioides imidis is a fungus that can disseminate hematogenously to the skin. Systemic coccidioidomycosis more frequently manifests as pneumonia or meningitis. Answer choice 3, tinea versicolor is a cutaneous mycosis caused by the dermatophyte Malassezia furfur. Affected skin appears as hypopigmented or hyperpigmented patches. And finally, answer choice 5, anthropod bites can cause hypersensitivity reactions or several disease-associated local or systemic rashes. Ascending lymphangitis is not associated with common anthropod-transmitted disease. And that's all for this review about cutaneous and subcutaneous mycoses. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.